0: Please open your Bibles now to Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. This is God's holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Please give it your full attention. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered together, gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You may be seated. In 1519, Ulrich Zwingli was on vacation when the Black Death Plague broke out in his hometown of Zurich, Switzerland. Now you might remember uh, Zwingli. He's one of the more famous reformers. And you might think that it was providential that Zwingli was away from his hometown when this plague broke out. But what's interesting is, he did not stay at his Mineral Springs vacation. He actually returned to Zurich immediately. Why? Why would he do that? Well, to help you understand a little bit more about the Black Plague, the Black Death Plague, if you had the bubonic type of this disease, you could have symptoms of apple-sized swollen nodules, and you would likely die within one to two weeks. But if you had uh, um, the the pneumonic form, you would have respiratory distress and would likely die in one to two days. About one-third of the population of Zurich died from the Black Plague. And with Zwingli returning, it really wasn't long before he contracted it, himself and as he lay very ill with the plague he wrote a hymn which is called the plague hymn and he wrote the first four stanzas when he first caught the disease and here's what he wrote help me O lord my strengthened rock low at the door i hear death's knock Uplift thine arm, once pierced for me, that conquered death and set me free. Yet if thy voice in life's midday recalls my soul, then I obey. In faith and hope, earth I resign, secure of heaven, for I am thine. And then as Zwingli's health was fading and it appeared that he was going to die, he wrote the next four lines. My pains increase, haste to console, for fear and woe seize body and soul. Death is at hand, my senses fail, my tongue is dumb, now Christ prevail. Lo, Satan strains to snatch his prey, I feel his grasp, must I give way? He harms me not. I fear no loss, for here I lie beneath the cross. Now, surprisingly, Zwingli was one of the few who did not actually die from the disease. The Lord was not quite finished with Zwingli. And the last four lines of the hymn were written after he recovered from the plague. He wrote, My God, my Lord, healed by thy hand. Upon the earth once more I stand. Let sin no more rule over me. My mouth shall sing alone to thee. Though now delayed, my hour will come. Involved perchance in deeper gloom. But let it come. With joy I'll rise. And bear my yoke straight to the skies. Now, why in the world... Would he have risked everything to go back to Zurich? He simply wanted to minister to the sick and dying. That's why. With the compassion of Christ, he returned to the city where he, where he pastored and he reached out to those who were deathly sick. And without a doubt, he prayed for them. He read scripture with them. He shared the good news of Christ with them. And when everyone else probably would have stayed away or even fled the city, he drew near. He went to those who were deathly contagious so that he could minister with the compassion of Christ. I think this story is one of the closest parallels in history that we have to what Christ did here in Luke chapter 5. A man with a highly contagious disease came to Jesus and rather than retreat from him... Jesus, with compassion, touches him, and the man was instantly healed. And this miraculous story of Jesus healing a leprous man, of course, is an amazing story. And it highly emphasizes the power that Jesus had to heal. But it does a whole lot more than that. You see, it gives us an illustration of who Christ saves... ...and how Christ saves. And that is precisely how we're going to view this text this evening. We're going to look at how, who Christ saves and how Christ saves. Now, leprosy was a horrible, horrible skin disease. And the closest thing to leprosy that we have today is known as Hansen's disease... And Hansen's disease is is really caused by by slow multiplying uh, bacillus or bacillus. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, But it it slowly multiplies throughout the body. and, And it severely disfigures the skin and causes nerve damage. Now the two diseases aren't identical, but they do have overlapping symptoms. It horribly disfigured the skin... And leprosy in in biblical times was actually much worse than present-day Hansen's disease. Leprosy was far more contagious and was extremely deadly. Leprosy would cause the hair in the area of uh, of that part of the skin to turn white. It would cause large growths upon the skin. It would fester and spread throughout the whole body. And so it was a horrible Horrible, disfiguring disease that had no cure and could certainly lead to death that 'd be traumatizing enough just to have the disease, but the consequences of having the disease may have been even worse in Leviticus chapter thirteen verse forty five we find that a leprous person would would wear torn clothes. Let the hair of his head hang loose. And if anyone was ever near him, he would have to constantly cry out, Unclean! Unclean! Now the leper probably didn't have to cry that out all that often. Because as we learn in verse 46, Leviticus thirteen forty-six, we discover that he was to live outside of the camp. Remember, Leviticus was written at the time when they're in the wilderness. And so they had a camp, and at the center of that camp was the tabernacle. Well, outside of the camp is where all those who were unclean, especially those who were lepers, had to go. They had to live outside of the camp, away from everyone else. And so a leper was essentially made to be a loner except for any association that he may have had with any other lepers and and, and other outcasts. He had no one to converse with, no one to touch or to be touched by. The only way that they would survive, really, is if someone would take pity on them, who would care enough to go out, you know, not, not to get too close to them, but at some location where they could drop food off. For the the leprous person to come and receive. It was a physically and psychologically crippling disease. Those with leprosy were terribly sick. Extremely disabled. Highly contagious. Socially isolated. Without worship. At least at the tabernacle. Without love being lonely, and seemingly without hope. And so perhaps you can begin to see why leprosy was used throughout Scripture as an illustration for our sinful condition. You see, the Lord used this disease to teach His people, to teach us today what sin does to us. Now, remember that this is what the unclean laws were meant to teach Israel that sin makes you unclean. It spreads throughout you, it spreads to others, and it keeps you from God. It cripples. And these are the reasons ultimately why the people were sent to live outside of the camp. You see, this law was given again when Israel was wandering in the desert. And at the, at the center of their camp was the tabernacle where God dwelled in the midst of his people. Now, the primary reason for placing them outside of the camp was not to quarantine them from spreading it. I mean, That would have been a reason, but not the primary reason. Ultimately, it was to teach them that being unclean keeps one from being in or near the dwelling place of God. Once they made it into the land of Canaan and they built the temple, then uh, the, the people were to dwell outside of the city. So this leprous man here in Luke chapter 5 was to dwell outside of the city. They weren't traveling through, through the, des- the desert. They didn't have a camp. So it wasn't outside of the camp, but outside of the city. You see, God is clean. Or we might say God is holy. But sin makes one unclean or unholy. Anyone who is unholy cannot be near the most holy God. Sin has driven us away from God. And just like leprosy, it ends with death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. The second death, eternal death in hell. The story doesn't end in death for the man in our text this evening. We are told that while Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was gone. Now, having described all that leprosy is and all that it illustrates, this passage I think really is all the more amazing, isn't it? Luke, who, uh, if you know about uh, the author, Luke, he himself was a doctor a medical doctor, and he tells us that this man had an extremely severe case of leprosy. He does that by telling us that the man was full of leprosy. It was probably covering his whole body, and this man wasn't supposed to be in the city at all. He was to be outside of the city or outside of the, of the camp, as Leviticus writes it. But here he comes, without a doubt, crying out, Unclean! Unclean! As he walks through the city. And people were probably moving as quickly away from him as they possibly could. We already begin to learn something about this man, don't we? This man is desperate. He goes into the city where he's not allowed. And when he meets Jesus, it says he begs to be healed By him. This man is desperate. He knows his condition. He knows that he has nowhere else to turn. There's no other hope for him. But Jesus. Now we learn uh, quite a bit more about this leper. We're also told that when he saw Jesus. He fell on his face. Now this too might seem like an act of desperation. But it's actually much more than that. As he falls down with his face to the ground, he goes into a position of reverence. Now, how much he could have known about the identity of Jesus is uncertain, but he certainly appears to at least recognize him to be divine. In fact, Matthew's account of this passage uses the word proskuneo, which means to bow down and worship. And so this man is bowing down. He falls down on his face, bowing down in a state of worship. And we also find that the leper calls him kurios, which means Lord, and so to some degree, he knows who he has come to see. He does not come before Jesus irreverently, but in worshipful submission. His condition is serious, so he is desperate. The one who he seeks is divine, and so he comes in irreverent submission. And there's one more primary thing that we learn about this leper, and that's the fact That he believed. He believed. He said, if you will, you can make me clean. The leper did not necessarily expect Jesus to do it. And I'm sure he knew that he didn't deserve it in any way. But he believed that Jesus could do it. And so, this healing is a perfect illustration of the type of people that Jesus saves. You see, the leper in this story is you and me. The disease itself is sin. Jesus saves sinners. But he doesn't save every sinner. He saves those who by the work of the Spirit come to him desperately seeking salvation. Now sometimes we need the consequences of sin to ravage our lives in order for us to see how utterly hopeless we are without Christ. However, one gets there, a sinner must be desperate for salvation in Christ. Jesus has come to save those that recognize their need for salvation, those who recognize their hideous, sinful condition. Jesus did not come to save the sin loving, self righteous, He came for desperate sinners longing for salvation, who know that there is no where else they can turn, who knows that there is no hope anywhere else but in Christ. Jesus saves those that recognize who he is and who therefore come to him in a reverent submission. He is the mediator between God and man because he is the God-man. Those who truly seek salvation bow before him in worship, pleading for the mercy of God. But this passage also makes very clear that Jesus saves those who place their faith in him. Those who know that he alone can make them clean. This leper, this outcast, this untouchable can teach us a whole lot in this passage because we are lepers, outcasts, untouchables. That is who we are. If you do not believe that your sin has made you every bit as hideous as this leper was, then you are not yet ready to come to Christ. If you don't believe that sin has separated you from God made you unclean, undesirable, infectious, and subject to death, then Satan, my friends, has blinded your eyes and deceived you so that you do not recognize your need for salvation. But I pray that the Spirit will work on your hearts so that you will be desperate enough to cry out, unclean, unclean. And that he will cause you to reverently submit to and worship Christ. And that he will cause you to believe that Christ alone is able to heal you and make you clean. All you have to say is, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And he will tell you, I will be clean. When speaking of this passage... Charles Spurgeon wrote, The I will of an emperor may have great power over his dominions, but the I will of Christ drives death and hell before him, conquers disease, removes despair, and floods the world with mercy. The Lord's I will can put away your leprosy of sin, and make you perfectly whole. End quote. This is who Jesus saves. And apart from the work of the spirit. None of us will have such an attitude. If we remain in the flesh. If we remain in our own. To, left over to ourselves. We'll never see. Our need for Grace will never understand truly what our sin has done to us and that it's made us worthy of hell. But this brings us to the second part of the sermon, how Jesus saves. Well, everybody there that day in the passage would have probably done a double-take. What Jesus does in this passage was so far from the social norms of his day You see, to touch anything that was unclean was completely undesirable. But to touch something with a disease also that could infect you, there's just no way anyone would have done it. It would have been as silly as going to Zurich during the Black Plague. But what does Jesus do? When the man cries out, if you will, you can make me clean, Jesus reaches out his hand and touches the leprous man. Jesus, what are you doing? You'll be contaminated. You'll become unclean yourself. See, Jesus was fully human. Human. He could catch a disease, he could get sick, and leprosy was a powerful disease. It was a very contagious disease. But the power of the disease would not go to Jesus. The power of Jesus' holiness would flow to him. The power of leprosy was great, but the power of Christ was greater the power would flow in the opposite direction. He has the power to cleanse the diseased flesh. But more importantly, beloved, he has the power to cleanse the leprous soul. You see, Christ would not get leprosy from this man, but when Christ touched the man, it did allude to something. Some type of transfer. Not just the transfer going from Christ to the man, but some type of transfer also of the man to Christ. It was alluding to some type of transfer in this way. You see, it was a picture of something that would happen at the end of Christ's ministry. When he would take the sins of his people At the cross. When he died. Upon the cross. But that death beloved. Was your cleansing. I think there's another hymn. That says it pretty well. Which states that there is power. Power. Wonder working power. In the precious blood of the lamb Jesus tells the man to go and to show himself to the priest and make an offering for his cleansing and in Leviticus chapter 14 a healed man one who is healed from leprosy or an uncleanness such as leprosy was required to offer up several sacrifices one of them including the precious blood of a lamb and the other of birds And these sacrifices were shadowy pictures of the blood of Christ washing the formerly leprous person clean. That is, they were types and shadows of the cleansing work of Jesus Christ upon sinners. Christ is our great high priest. When a leprous person was healed, which probably was pretty rare... But when he was healed of the leprosy, he would go to the priest who would declare him clean. Christ is our great high priest. It is his blood that cleanses us. And when it does, he declares us as our high priest, as clean. Though we are wretched sinners, leprous sinners... He declares us clean. It's the most beautiful thing that can be told. How sinners such as you and I can be seen by God our Father as clean. It's interesting that this man said, If you will, you can make me clean. Notice what he did not say. He did not say, If you will, you can heal me. He said, You can make me clean. It wasn't just the removal of the leprosy that he desired. He needed to be cleansed, made clean. He needed someone to take him from outside of the camp or outside of the city and to bring him near to God. And so he looked to the mediator between God and man and he said, you, you can make me clean. You can restore me so that I can be near to God and worship at his temple. And beloved, if you are in Christ, then that is what Christ has done for you. Not that he's allowed you to go to some physical structure or or some type of physical temple where you can worship. But as the author of Hebrews says in chapter 9, verse 24, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, in other words, not to a, a physical earthly temple, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. You see, by His cleansing blood, He entered into the heavenly temple, the heavenly tabernacle, the one not made by human hands, but made by God Himself. And He has given you access to the Father. You have been cleansed. He has cleansed you and brought you near to God in heaven. We are anything but clean. Yet God looks at us as clean. Because he sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the detergent, staining blood of Jesus Christ. But let me ask you, do you live like you've been cleansed? We all still struggle with sin. But is there some sin that you are hanging on to? Is there a sin that you are doing in secret, sin that you are unrepentant about? Well, passages such as these ought to help us with our ongoing struggle with sin because we are able to see just how destructive they are. And so what sin perhaps do you entertain? What sin are you enjoying too much to give up? What sin are you placing before God? My friends, see how disgusting And destructive that sin is. It is leprous. It is hideous. It is revolting. Stay away from it. Live penitently before God. Seek after what is clean. Leave behind the leprous sin. That's the power of leprosy as an illustration. Would you touch a leprous person? Then why touch that sin? That's how we should view it. And we thank the Lord that God will finish his good work in us so that one day we'll never sin ever again. And we look forward to that day, but we allow leprosy to help us understand why we don't want to sin. And our struggle with it still today. I think Christ teaches us at least one more thing in this passage. As he reached out and he touched the leper. He, he, he showed great compassion didn't he? In Mark's account of this passage. When the leper requests Jesus to make him clean. Here's what Mark writes. Moved with pity. He stretched out his hand. And touched him. You see Jesus was moved. With pity. It could also be translated with compassion or with mercy. The man had probably not been touched in a very long time. A man doesn't become full of leprosy overnight. He'd probably had leprosy for some time. And had been without human touch for that whole time. And furthermore, it was totally against the social norm for Jesus to to touch a leper. Jesus could have healed the man without touching him at all. He displayed much compassion to reach out and to touch the man. I mean, to even heal him at all, but to touch him and to show him that he cares with human touch. And so if Jesus is not afraid to reach out, to dirty sinners should we not reach out also with the gospel we're no different because we too have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and so we have to reach out with the compassion of Christ so that Jesus's healing hand might continue to cleanse people today from their leprous souls Christ's healing hands are just as present today as they were when he walked the earth. He used them to heal Zwingli's sinful, leprous soul. And Zwingli then, with Christ-like compassion, followed in his Savior's footsteps, ministering to others who were in need. Christ's hands heal today. As I close, listen once again to the words of the plague hymn. Help me, O Lord, my strength and rock. Low at the door I hear death's knock. Uplift thine arm, once pierced for me, that conquered death and set me free. Yet if thy voice in life's midday recalls my soul, then I obey. In faith and hope, earth I resign, secure of heaven, for I am thine. My pains increase, haste to console, for fear and woe seize body and soul. Death is at hand. My senses fail. My tongue is dumb. Now, Christ, prevail. Lo, Satan strains to snatch his prey. I feel his grasp. Must I give way? He harms me not. I fear no loss. For here I lie beneath thy cross. My God, my Lord, healed by thy hand. Upon the earth once more I stand Let sin no more rule over me. My mouth shall sing alone to thee. Though now delayed, my hour will come. Involved perchance in deeper gloom. But let it come. With joy I'll rise and bear my yoke straight to the skies. To God be all praise and glory. Now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the cleansing that we have found in the fount that flows with Christ's blood. He who was determined to shed his blood from before the foundation of the world. We thank you for predestining all things. According to the counsel of your will. And that we would be chosen in him. In love. To be adopted. Into your family through. The work of Jesus Christ and Lord. Now that he has cleansed us. Teach us to walk in your ways that we might walk as those who are clean. Those who live and abide in your presence. And Lord we. Pray that if anyone here has not yet with reverence submitted to Christ and sought him out for cleansing, that they would do so, that your spirit will work in their lives to recognize their need because of the wretchedness of the leprous soul. And that they would ask Christ indeed to cleanse them. Lord, we pray that we would live as those who are clean. That we would walk in your ways on level ground by the power of your spirit. That we might be pleasing to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.